Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I like spy movies. This week's Torah portion is about spies, different kinds of spies. How many spies do we read about in the Torah portion? In, in Torah? In Torah? Twelve. And in the Hof Torah? Two. Okay, let's do simple math. Two plus twelve is? If you didn't know that, you need help in how to add. Twelve spies. Now, there were two good spies in the Torah portion. Do you know their names? Joshua. Say that with me. Joshua and Caleb or Kalev. That's right. And bonus, bonus points today. Joshua's given name was? Right. It, Hosea. But Moses wouldn't call him Hosea. He called them Yehoshua or Yeshua. Hosea means, it's sort of a petition God save us. But Yehoshua and Yeshua is a declaration, God saves. And so whenever Moses looked at Hosea, he didn't see a petition, he saw a declaration. And he called Joshua, Yehoshua, Yeshua, they're all, you know, the same basic name. He called him to walk in confidence of what God was going to do. And to be a declaration himself. And you know what? When he was, when Joshua was spying out the land, I think some of this great character emerged and revealed itself in important ways. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 13 and 14. That's where the Torah portion uh, account of the spies is centered. Now what's interesting to me is that a few weeks after Shavuot each year, we're reading about these 12 spies. Uh, these, and they were leaders. They were princes of Israel. They were sent to spy out the promised land. Ten of them brought back bad reports. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, brought back good reports. Because of the bad reports, the people of Israel were disheartened. They refused to move forward. The ten spies focused on their own strength and the obstacles that they were facing. The ten spies saw things circumstantially and exclusively, and they lost sight of what God wanted to do. They had been sent to spy out the land because it was important to see where they were headed. And it was important to get their hearts right. And you know, when God wants to give you something bigger than you have power for, you need to get power from him, not just from yourself. And there will be times when he will allow you to experience a sense of insufficiency, of impotency, of powerlessness, 
where you can see that if you try to do the thing that's in front of you, in your own power, you will not succeed. Some of you can identify with this. You've gotten to the limits of your power. You've actually, you actually are beyond the limits. Can anyone identify with that? So when we're reading about the good spies and the bad spies, let's not just be critical of the bad spies because a lot of us struggle with the same thing, looking at circumstance, looking at situations only in natural ways. So Moses sends out these, these 12 and he gives, them, he gives them some instruction. We see this in verse 17, Numbers 13, verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south, go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. Few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe ripe grapes. And so they go and they cut down a branch of grapes that was so large, it's described in verse 23, that it took two men carrying it on a pole. That's, that's big, as grapes go. They brought pomegranates and figs, and they spent 40 days spying out the land, and then they came back. And when they came back, they showed the fruit of the land. Now, can you imagine two men walk into the room? into the assembly, they've got a pole on their shoulders. And between them is like a man-sized cluster of grapes. That would be impressive, would it not? Ooh. And I think when people saw that, they were probably amazed, as, as you and I would be. And people ooh and ah over such things. Ah. They come back, they show the the fruit. Verse 27, they said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Now let's hear some amazement from everybody. Just act it out, if you will. Ah, whoa. Looking good. (coughs) And imagine... You've been eating manna for your entire lifetime, for decades. Now you see giant grape clusters, and you're thinking, mmm, grapes sure look good. And then you hear this word, this terrible word, nevertheless. Say that with me. Nevertheless. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, this would be a good time to cry. To begin to weep. Because that's what the people actually did. They started uh, 
just giving in to the fear and the terror. Giants. It's one thing to face Goliath. It's another thing to face a whole nation of Goliath-like people. The descendants of Anak are there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Meteorites. (laughs) That just seems terrible. The grapes are great. The circumstances are not. The people are upset. And so Caleb quiets the people. He tries. And he says, let's go up at once. Let's take possession because we are well able to overcome it. Have you ever tried to cheer someone up in this impossible? Have you ever been in that condition yourself where no matter what happens, you can't get encouraged. That you, you, you can't respond with encouragement, with, it, with courage. That's what happened. So Caleb's saying, we can do it. And the other 10 who had gone up with him said, no, we can't. We're not able to go up against the people because they're stronger than we are. And at that moment, you look around in this group of Israelites, people are crying, men are weeping. Terror has come on them. And it's a compelling case. They are stronger than we are. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they'd spied out. And they said, the land through which we've gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. We saw giants there. The descendants of Anak come from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Hurrah! Who cares about grapes anymore? (laughs) Nobody. Now, God is wanting to give this land to the children of Israel, but He's put them in a circumstance, He's put them in a situation where they need to see how difficult it is and how it's beyond their own strength and their own power, they cannot do what has been assigned to them in their own power. They will not succeed. Now this is shocking to some people because many of us only want to do what we can do in our own power. How many love to fail? No one raises their hand. I just can't wait for the next time that I can fail. We love to succeed. Verse chapter 14 of Numbers, all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried and they wept all night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? 
And so they said to each other, let's, let's find a leader who will take us back to Egypt. Here they are on the brink of entering into what God is promising to them. And because they are analyzing and assessing everything according to their strength and power, they're ready to give up. Not only give up, they're ready to go back to slavery. They would rather be slaves in Egypt at this moment. Now this is a picture of what happens when people are given assignments from God and they want to be able to do the assignment in their own power, on their own terms. They will struggle with fear. They will struggle with despair. They will struggle with courage. And they will assess accurately that the situation is too much for them. And when they're only thinking of their own power, against the power of those that they're dealing with, it's so easy to give in to fear. It's so easy to give up. It's so easy to go back the way they came. It's so easy to lose sight of the future and to lose hope. It got worse. It got much worse. Joshua tried to encourage them. He said in verse 6 and 7, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land. He will give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because there are bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. That's a great message, isn't it? Here's how the people responded. Let's stone them. Stone these guys who are giving this report. They want us to go in there? Are you kidding? Kill them. Now you know people are in a bad condition when that's their response. It's tough. Verse 10. All the congregation said to stone them with stones. What else are you going to stone them with? (laughs) Let's throw marshmallows at them. Now to stone them with stones. The glory of the Lord appeared. So in the midst midst of the worst situation, the glory of the Lord appears. In the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel, the Lord speaks to Moses. He's interpreting it this way. The Lord says, they're rejecting me. That's the problem. You see, God is wanting to give them, to give the children of Israel something that he knows they cannot get unless they trust in him. He wants them to understand the difficulty of the situation. He wants them to see what they're facing. If he didn't want them to see what they were facing, he would not have said to Moses, send spies. He would have said, just go up and keep your hands over your eyes. Do not look. No matter what happens, don't look. Put on blindfolds if you need to. You see, the Lord is not calling Israel to live with blind faith, 
but with faith that sees. And that is the faith that he is trying to develop in you and me as well. He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and he let the children of Israel see everything, how hard it was and how good it was. He let them experience the the anguish of oppression, of slavery, of being under the, the cruel dominion of a totalitarian leader like Pharaoh. He allowed them to see and to experience this. And then he allowed them to see the struggle. What did it take to break the grip of Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt that was holding on to the children of Israel? What did it take? It took the mighty power of God. Not the people's power, not Moses' power, not Aaron's power, not any human power. It took the power of God. And through that experience, God was wanting to give to Israel a kind of faith that trusts him. Not just religious faith, not just doctrinal faith, not just theological faith, not seminary faith, but faith for living in the real world. And not just faith for themselves, but faith for their families, faith for the generations beyond them. God didn't say to Israel, I want you to be free so you can do your own thing. He said to Pharaoh, let Israel go so that they can serve me. The purpose of freedom that God was granting was so that the people would be free to walk with God, to fellowship with God, to experience God, and then to be used by God for good. Not just for themselves, but for God's purposes. The Lord, the Lord's ready to make a decisive choice, and he offers to Moses this chance. Let me just put Israel away. And Moses says no. When Moses is saying no and he's standing as an intercessor, you know what he wants? He wants the salvation of Israel. Where do you think he got that in his heart? It came from the Lord. You see, the Lord sometimes will put us in situations that aren't obvious and clear, that reveal what's in our heart. To see, will what is in our heart rise up and give honor to God or will it give honor to something else? And Moses had this opportunity to take the easy way out by just doing what was easy for him or good for him. He refused. He actually aligned himself with what God wanted to do. And he said, no, God, you can't destroy. And then it was clear Moses is standing with God. It's a terrible time. And judgment does come. And a plague does come. And it looks like the people are ready to trust God. Let's continue in chapter 14. Verse 36. 
Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. Those very men. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men who went out to spy the land. Verse 39, then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And then they rose early in the morning, they went up to the top of the mountain, and they said, here we are. We're ready. We'll go to the place which the Lord has promised, for we've sinned. You see, at this point, Israel is still wanting to act in its own power. On its own terms. Okay, we can do it. We can do it. Everyone's sort of calm. They've seen that it's not going well. No one's going back to Egypt. They say, we sinned. Verse 41, Moses says, why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. You see, the Lord had a plan. He had timing. He had conditions. There was a moment when Israel could do it, but now is not the moment. Now, if Israel had then repented deeply, we don't know what would have happened. That's not what happened. What happened is Israel decided to do it on its own. Don't go up, Moses said, lest you be defeated by your enemies. For the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. And you will fall by the sword because you've turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. And then they went forward and they face destruction. Now this is a picture of what happens when you struggle to do the assignments of God just in your own power. First you struggle because you say it's too much, it's too big, it's too hard. And then there's a certain point where you say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. But the struggle and the response in both cases is independent of God. And the key for Israel, the key for you and me, is to get out of that paradigm of struggle where we're just trying to see, can I do it? And we start looking to the Lord in a different way and we say, Lord, if you want to do it, I'm ready, no matter what it costs. Even if I can't do it, I'm ready to trust you. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready to do what you've assigned me to do. For this is my true joy, to serve you. Not to figure out how to make a successful life for myself, but how to do what's pleasing to you. Lord. Now, when you you look at this and you read this story, you might say, see, this is just ancient history. I want to connect this to new covenant living because I want you to see that Yeshua did exactly the same thing with his disciples. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 in order to see this. 
Now, it's useful to remember something that the Holy Spirit was poured out on what Jewish holiday? Shavuot, right, which was just a few weeks ago, right? And the Lord knew that, that those Jewish people and those Messianic congregations that would be faithful to God and to hold on to our tradition of Yom Shabbat as Yeshua did, as Paul did, as the Jewish people have for all these centuries, who gather together to read Torah and to read the prophets and, and as Messianic Jews to read from the apostolic writings of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit knew that just a few weeks after Shavuot, every year we would read about the spies and their struggle. And so it's interesting to me that there is a parallel between the assignment that the Lord gave the disciples, that Yeshua gave his disciples, and the challenges that Israel faced with the spies and going into the, into the land. There's a close parallel. So in Acts chapter 1, we read, starting in, in the very first verse, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Yeshua began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, this is when he was crucified, he presented himself to them. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So this is a critical point. He showed us that he had risen from the dead. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For Yochanan, John, immersed, he baptized with water, but in a few days you will be immersed with the Holy Spirit. So here's the assignment. They gathered around him. They asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has sent, set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Yeshua is giving them an assignment that has certain conditions, but he's giving them a plan. Here's the plan. You're going to go out into Jerusalem and you are going to lead people to me. That's the plan. You're going to go into Judea and Samaria. You're going to lead people to me. You're going to go to the ends of the earth and you're going to lead people to me, but you cannot do it in your own power. And so you need to wait here first and receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just check something. Do you think that the disciples really understood what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would be like before it happened? I don't. Do you think they were just as surprised as other people were? 
when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they started speaking in tongues? I think they were surprised. Do you think they understood how strange it was when it happened? Oh, yeah. That's why it was a Peter who said, we're not drunk the way you think. It's different. It's the Holy Spirit. But it's not that everyone believed in charismatic gifts and that's why they got them. It's not that people were anticipating what this outpouring of the Holy Spirit would actually look like. That's not why they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit because Yeshua knew they needed the Holy Spirit to do what he had called them to do. They could not be successful in the plan and the assignment that God had given them without the Holy Spirit. And in order to receive the Holy Spirit, they had to receive on God's terms. Now, I think that the disciples could have said, we can do this on our own. We know enough. We've had missions trips already. We've gone to a lot of cities. You know, between all of us, we've gone to 70, gosh, more, more cities than that. We did pretty good. Demons, we've got power over demons already. We pray for sick people. Yeah, they get healed. We know how to do this. Yeshua said to them, don't even try until, until, until you've waited together and you become a congregation together and you've stayed together and you've rejected all the, all the pressures and all the, the, the things that could pull you in different directions into different places. Stay here in Jerusalem together. That's it. That was God's plan. Have fellowship together. Pray. Seek my face. Learn to be in harmony in this way. It was amazing. The Holy Spirit poured out. You know more of the story. And I congratulate you if you participated in our Shavuot celebration. I've heard wonderful reports about it. I hope you were part of that. The Messianic movement, I believe, can never succeed if we try to accomplish the Lord's goals in our own power. If we try to accomplish the Lord's goals just with our resources, we can become masterful about getting resources. It won't be enough. We can become more skilled in many different things. It won't be enough. One of the keys is we also need the Holy Spirit. For ourselves together, for ourselves individually, for for our congregation, for the mandate that God has given us. Yeshua returned to heaven to send the Holy Spirit because what he wants to accomplish can't be done in human power alone. 
If God was just looking for strong human beings to do everything, he would have picked stronger human beings than us. But he picks those who are weak and those who are less honorable in order to invest the Holy Spirit in us that that the glory would come to him. He picked Israel not because Israel was mighty or great, not in number and not in strength, but because though small, Israel would learn to lean on God and press into him. That's who we're called to be. So God gives us assignments. And when he gives us assignments, it requires something more than our own power and our own abilities. To fulfill what God gives us takes more than we have in ourselves. Now this, this will explain some of the things that you're going through in your life. How many can identify with this? Uh, you got problems or challenges in front of you that are bigger than you. Can you identify with that? Now, there are some of you who can say, you know what, there's nothing in front of me that I can't handle. There's nothing that I need to do that I can't do all by my pretty self. I don't happen to be one of those. I think most of you aren't either. And some of you can really identify with this. You're facing situations that are just beyond your human power. Anyone who's in that situation where you know that that you cannot fulfill everything in your own strength, I, I would like you to stand up with me. I'm standing up already. Okay, now look around so that you can get comfortable with this. You might have thought, oh, I'm the only one who's going through such things that are bigger than me. You know, we like to say, chazak, chazak, v'nit chazak. Be strong, be strong, and let us strengthen one another. That's true. But the fact is, we cannot be strong enough in ourselves. Here's the good news. He is stronger. Yeshua said to his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. Don't try to do what God's called you to do in your own power. It won't go well. And it won't go well for one reason, because it's just in your power. There's nothing wrong with coming to the Lord and saying, I don't have enough power in myself, but I want to do what's pleasing to you. And if it takes everything out of me, so be it. If I lose everything for your sake, so be it. If I spend my life this way and have nothing else to give, so be it, that's good enough for me. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for good news that that you bring us into situations that are bigger than we are in order to show how big you are. And you call 
us to be the body, but you're the head. Thank you, Lord, for your authority. Thank you for your power. Thank you, Lord, that you bring us to the end of our own strength and our own power where we see we're not enough, we're not good enough, we're not powerful enough to do what you've called us to do. And thank you, Lord, that you don't just leave us in a condition of despair or fear or discouragement, but you get a hold of us and you put your spirit in us and your spirit who is bold and your spirit who is strong and your spirit who is loving and your spirit who is full of peace and wisdom and joy begins to lead us and touch our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Touch us deeply tonight, today, this afternoon, now. Lord, we repent of trying to fulfill assignments just in our own power. We're giving up because we see that the obstacles are too great. Lord, we repent of that. And we repent, Lord, of just trusting in our own strength and thinking we can do it. Lord, we want to have a different heart. We want to be waiting on you. We want to be seeking you. We want to have your joy. We want to have your rest. We want to see you exercise your power and your authority. Lord, that it would be fulfilled in us that it's not by our strength. It's not by our power, but it's by your spirit. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha Yeira Adonai p'nave lecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai p'nave lecha v'yasem lecha Shalom Let it be that it's the Lord who blesses you. Let it be the Lord who protects you. Let it be the light from the Lord that shines on you. Let it be the Lord who's gracious to you. And let it be that the Lord lifts up his face to you and gives you his shalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom.